0: There's a certain electricity, there's a
1: certain energy about LA that I think is different than most parts in the world. Just the atmosphere is, is amazing as well. I mean, you know what they say, it don't rain in Southern California. The fans are absolutely amazing. They always come in full force and they're just screaming as loud as they possibly can. City of just love, just people family for me uh, really just this is home base this
2: is where I grew up.
0: LA is awesome the weather's perfect you know the people here are, are very
2: welcoming. I mean it's such a blessing to be in this position you know this is something I've dreamt of since I was a little boy so to get the opportunity to go play in a Super Bowl play for the Lombardi Trophy is incredible.
0: I love it up here um, you know it's been an awesome community to be a part of and uh no. Yeah, you know, the winters are a little tough, though. The area as a whole, I mean, freezing. <laughs> uh, it's cold, I mean. You know, we have great fans.
2: Great place to play. Uh, not only are we teammates, but we're friends as well. And you see it by, you know, guys really digging into each other's lives. When I first got here, I was super surprised at how many believers in Jesus we have on the
1: team. And it's a blessing to be here.
2: And we're so excited and, and humbled and, and just thankful for having this experience. So we want to try to make the most of it.
3: Well, happy Football Sunday! Is that what you say, happy Football Sunday? Man, you know, the thing I love so much is when we sit here and we think about all the different pieces uh, that go into making um, this big day, Football Sunday, Um, by copyright reasons, we're not allowed to call it Super Bowl Sunday, um, which is crazy, they copyright everything out there. But, But when I think about, you know, this idea of two teams... One of the things is is there's two teams that have been working all year long to get to one moment. It's kind of interesting because it's something that young boys have been growing up their entire lives, many of them dreaming of one day playing in a Super Bowl. One day arriving to the big stage, quote unquote, and seeing um, the hard work that you've been putting in all season pay off. Now I know this year is the Super Bowl is kind of filled with controversy from various calls that people said didn't get made pretty obvious it would seem and you look at different things and you could say man that team was robbed from the Super Bowl and another team was given opportunity but but whether controversy or not all the teams have been doing the very same thing all season long they've been busting their butts to get to a place where they could be in the top condition physically mentally. And one of the things I love is to see believers, men of faith, rising up and saying, you know what, not only am I going to be in the best physical shape, the best mental shape, but also the best spiritual shape. And I think of one who um, throughout the years from his days in high school to playing um, at Michigan State to then finding himself in the NFL, a quarterback by the name of Kirk Cousins. Uh, and really, he continues to defy expectations to this day. He, he has an amazing story, one of showing what it means to passionately pursue God. In fact, I, I remember when we were living in Lansing, and um, I remember being around the campus, and I remember hearing the stories of what God was doing through that football program as Kirk Cousins was there. And I remember hearing about how Kirk Cousins not only loves Jesus passionately, but how he's constantly telling others around him about who Jesus is and what Christ has done in his life. And you begin to hear stories about other teammates who encountered Jesus through the life of Kirk Cousins. But his story hasn't always been one that's been filled with certainty. In fact, in some ways, what he's done is he's modeled a life of someone who has shown us what it means to trust God in the midst of all circumstances. And this is his story.
2: I remember one time in third grade, a a kid came over as we were just playing catch innocently. He just came over and he said, you really throw the football well. And I said, oh, thanks, man. He said, no, no, no you really throw the football well. And I thought, oh, okay. Played my very first varsity game my junior year of high school. And I knew that this was a big year for recruiting. So I knew that I needed to play well to have a chance to play in college. And in the very first quarter of the very first game of my very first varsity season, I got hit on my left side and, and broke my ankle. And I remember driving back from the hospital with a cast on my ankle. And there were tears in my eyes and I called my dad and I said, Dad. Because I'm gonna miss this season, it means that I can't play in college. The dream is over, if you will, to play in college. And my dad said, Kirk, you don't know that. Uh, think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your steps. At that moment, as a 17-year-old junior in high school, I made Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 my life verse. And um, from that moment on, I said, I'm gonna trust Him and let Him sort out the rest. A year and a half ago, I said it would be impossible to play college football. And now I'm signing a full scholarship to have college paid for to play for a school that would have been my dream school all along. You know That was only the beginning. And yet at that time, I thought that alone uh, teaches me what it means to walk by faith and how big God is. And yet God said, Kirk, I, I haven't done anything yet. I'm gonna take you on a journey here. Just keep trusting me. The night before the draft, my dad sat our family down and he read from 1 Samuel 16, where David is anointed king. And he said, this passage has the feel of a draft because Samuel goes to the home of Jesse and he says, bring out your sons, from your sons will be the next king. Well, he goes through the the first and he says, surely this must be the one, I mean, he looks the part. And the, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, no, he's not the one. And then he goes through each one. And he goes through seven. And the Lord says no to all of them. And so Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any other sons? Because the Lord said the seven you brought to me are not it. He said, well, I have one more, David. He's out in the field. I didn't even think he was in the running. So David, he said, bring him. So David's brought before Samuel. Samuel sees him and the Lord says, that's the one. And my dad's point to me was, Kirk, There's a lot of outward appearance looking, going on right now around the NFL with the draft, and there will be going forward. Ultimately, as you've seen through your upbringing, the Lord directs your steps, the Lord has his hand on your life, and the Lord is not looking at the outward appearance, the Lord is looking at the heart. My dad came over and he said, Kirk, do you know what number quarterback you were? And I said, no, I, I don't. I said, I know there's usually 10 or 11 that get picked in the draft every year. He said, you were the eighth quarterback. He said, we read 1 Samuel 16, two nights ago, and David was the eighth son of Jesse. He said, I think the Lord is speaking to you. He's saying, Kirk, I have my hand on your life. When you fly to Washington, just trust me that I've got the next year, two, three, four, whatever it may be, under my control. I've probably had more where are you God moments than I have had the moments where I know he's near. But I look back and I see he's faithful and he knows what he's doing. And he gives us just enough. I wanna see lives changed for the kingdom and I want as many people as possible to come to know the hope of the gospel, but also not only to come to know Jesus through the gospel, but then to make him Lord of their life and to see what I've seen in terms of decades of the Lord's hand guiding a life. And that's a journey that we're all on and we're all in different places on that journey. But um, that's what I want my life to be about.
3: It's interesting to hear his story and to hear the whole analogy there between um, with David and, and being chosen as the eighth. And just when you think about what God has done in the life of Kirk Cousins, what you see is a man who simply trusted God in the midst of the seasons and yet has let his light shine. The influence that God has given him, he's allowed that to shine. But sometimes what happens is if we're not careful we can begin to view our own lives through our own understanding. We begin looking at things and saying, I, I've got everything figured out. I, I've got every piece figured out. I, I know where I'm going to go to school. I know how things are going to happen. I know what pick is, is going to happen in my life. And, and we begin thinking that somehow we can control the plans and purpose that God actually has for us. And our lives, but God invites us actually to something better, something even greater. And I, I think the place that God invites all of us in is into this place sometimes of the unknown. Has anyone ever found themselves in a place of unknown? Come on, you, you found yourself in a place where it's like, man, I don't quite know exactly what's coming next. And it's sometimes in those seasons where everything inside of us begins to try to control the situation. We try to, try to figure all the pieces out so that this can line into this. And, and for many of us, what happens is, is in those moments that we begin to forget that God actually has a plan as well. And if God has a plan, that plan's unfolding regardless of our actions and regardless of what's happening um, and, and the choices that we're making And in the midst of that plan unfolding, what God does is he invites us to be a part of his plan. In fact, today, what you're going to hear is stories from players across the league who have basically said, okay, God, I want you to be front and center in my life. I want you to be front and center in my marriage. I want you to be front and center in my family. I want you to be front and center in my career. And though many of us will never have the opportunity to play on a stage like tonight, like many of these players will, we have an opportunity every day to let our light either shine for others or to hold it in. And I love seeing the faith of those believers throughout the NFL. Men who have taken a stand and have allowed their influence to make a difference in the world around you. You, each and every one of us, are people of influence and today we're going to be hearing continue to hear from players who are actually in the game tonight and uh, you'll get to hear some of their stories from the big game today so let's go inside of the locker room and let's take a look at some of their stories
1: We've seen God do some tremendous work in the lives of our families, and they're loving their wives, they're loving their children, and they're being good men, both on and off the field. I think God is just my everything. He's been my crutch to lean on so many times when things are going bad, uh, but I think they're constantly refocusing on him is what's allowing me to continue to be on the straight and narrow and, and continue to be successful on this team. I'm a center. Um, but at the end of the day, His grace is, is so sufficient um, in my life and it has been, and not just in my life, but my family's life. I thank God
2: in, in my season of life right now is, uh, you know, He's done some heavy work in my life the last couple of years and helped me kind of discover who I am on a deeper level and and, as a man of God and as a father, as a husband,
0: these days I'm discovering God to be uh, really my my provider, my protector, my healer. It's just amazing the work that he that he's doing in my
1: life and my family's life.
2: This year I perform my ACL, and so that obviously put an end to the season. But um, being able to every day work towards finding that that joy in life
1: that um, only comes from the Spirit, there's there's growth happening.
0: Nothing in the NFL is promised, so waking up with the faith every day that. God is in control, that He loves you, and that He's gonna take care of you no matter what. It gives you a peace of mind to to operate
1: on a daily basis. We try to do what we can by leading by example and hopefully building relationships. Therefore, we're able to feed into the guys' lives and do the best we can just for the kingdom of God.
2: What goes on here that's so special is the brotherhood in this locker room. You know, we've, we've got a lot of men in this locker room that are truly invested in uh, the relational side of things.
1: There's no better group of guys, I think, that I could, you know, be on a team with than right here.
0: Our culture here in New England is better because of the kind of men Bill and Robert have brought into our building
1: and the way that they've impacted societies and churches. And they don't leave anyone the same way. Everything that we do is for Jesus, and um, he, he's everything. Everything that we do on the field, everything that we do with our families, everything that we do with our in the practice field is uh, we try to do it for His glory.
0: You know, it's hard sometimes in this sport. You lean on your own understanding a little bit and, uh, you
2: know, think you've got it all figured out and all under control, and that's not really the case. Before I came to Christ, I was living so much for myself, and uh, that's something that I continue to work on every single day. I'm not perfect. None of us are. I've definitely seen, you know, shifts um, work in my life, and that's all through knowing Him and having the Holy Spirit work through me.
0: God's my everything. I mean, I'm in this position because of him. You thank him daily, wake up every morning, and, I mean, that's the first thing I do just because, I mean, none of this is possible without him. He's proven himself
2: to be so faithful this year. He's grown marriages, families, relationships, and that's so much more exciting than than football, going to the Super Bowl, even though we'll take that, but, uh, um, man, he's been really faithful this year.
3: One of the things I love so much that you hear there is you hear Things like this, God's at work in our families, God's my everything. Another one said, I, I know that in my life I need to focus in on him. Another said that he's doing the heavy work in my life, discovering who I am in Christ, finding my true identity. This idea of finding joy in the spirit, you heard from one of the players who, who tore um, is ACL and so he finds himself not even able to play in the big game but is still a part of the team and sometimes it's finding joy in the spirit, sometimes it's finding joy in those moments where you recognize that you're a part of something greater than just what you see right now. This idea of God being in control and this idea of us leading by example. See, whether you find yourself close to Christ or you find yourself far from Christ, he looks at you and I and he says listen, I desire to have a personal relationship with you. see see it's not just about religion it it's not. In fact, it has really nothing to do with about, about rules and regulations and, and do's and don'ts and going to church here and there. It's about a personal relationship that Christ desires to have with you and I. And what you're hearing from these different players is, is this, is there's guys who are saying, listen, we're a part of a brotherhood. We're, we're a part of something bigger than just the game of football. We're a part of a family. And there's this idea that you and I also are a part of a family. And it's been even talked about how one day we'll find ourselves in the presence of God, and we'll be able to to sit around and just think of that picture of being able to sit around and and have Kirk Cousins throw the ball to you. To think about being able to throw the ball like Kirk Cousins or like others. It's this culture that's being created of family, where people are, are living their lives for something greater than just success in the moment in fact we would look at an NFL player and we would say man they they have everything right I mean they have the success they they probably have the resources because they're paid very well they have the platform to be able to do whatever they kind of want to do and yet what we see is individuals who are choosing to use that platform for Christ they're saying God you're my everything and what is happening is is in the midst of very high stress situations in fact um, you'll hear here in a moment of one family who moved in like a very short period of time, eight different times, eight different times that they moved in their career um, in a very short window of time. And, and I know if you were to talk to Pastor Scott and, and Alyssa, as they're just now this week, this Tuesday, they are closing on a house. Come on now, excited about that. But I know just seeing the little bit of stress that it's been for them of, of being uh, just not in a place that's their own and the move and all those different pieces. We've, we've got Mike and, and Eberly Torres who will be coming. They'll be here this next weekend. They're moving up from Florida. So God is like drawing people in. But, but in the midst of that move, here's what I'm hearing from all of them. It's like it's a little bit crazy. It's a little bit of stress. There's a little bit of unknown things happening in there. And yet the one thing that we can all hold to in the midst of the unknown is that God has a plan and that God is with us. Speaking of the unknown, Kasha and I throughout the years have really seen moments where God asked us to trust him in the unknown. I remember when he asked us to step away from the church that we had started and pastored for 10 years and I remember God putting on a heart, Brian, it's time for you to step away and out of that season and not knowing fully what season we were walking into and then thinking it was possibly one thing only to have that door closed and then going into a season of not knowing at all for almost a year and I remember those moments of the unknown and here's what I remember so deeply in that. It's in the moments of the unknown where our true identity begins to be revealed. Because it was in those moments where it wasn't people calling me Pastor Brian. It wasn't those moments where I found my my validation, quote unquote, in my position. It actually was in those moments where I had to just be a son of God. I just had to be one of the kids' kids. And it had to be a moment of just trusting him in there. And I remember the Lord doing a work inside of me and, and really saying, Brian, you're, you're my kid. You're my son, whom I am well pleased. But you also, Brian, have choices of the decisions that you're going to make that will affect the outcomes of your life. Because God does forgive us of sin. That's the beautiful story. Listen, listen, God will forgive you of your sin. And we love that. But can I tell you, there's consequence to sin. Right? I mean, like, God forgives us, but there is still consequence to sin. You could be at your workplace, and you could maybe be, you know, cheating and kind of, maybe you're just, just stealing a little bit, just taking a little bit of extra things every day from work. It's not that big of a deal. They owe me anyways. They don't really pay me all that well. It's just a small little area of compromise. And all of a sudden, you get caught in that area of compromise. Will God forgive you? Yes, he will forgive you. Could you lose your job? Yes, you could lose your job. And you could be, but you look at your boss all day long and be like, "But, but God forgives me," and he'll say, "That's fantastic. That God forgives you. You're fired." Why? Because there's still consequences to the sin that we allow in our lives. And what happens is, is in moments of unknown, we have to trust God with everything. The choices we make determine the outcomes that we experience. And sometimes it's in the moments of God looking at you and me and saying, listen, I want you to leave your comfort. I I want you to leave the things that you know. I want you to put yourself in a position of maybe the unknown, that we get to experience some of the greatness of who God really is. It's in those moments where we begin to learn firsthand that God is faithful. In fact, I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say this, say, God is faithful. He is. He's faithful in the smallest of details. But what do you do in the midst of moments where it feels like your prayers are going unanswered? What do you do in moments where you feel like You've done everything you know to do. You've made the right choices. And yet you still find yourself in a place where it feels like the the prayers are going unanswered. You're going to hear from a couple named Case and Kimberly Keenum. And Case and Kimberly Keenum, Case plays for uh, the Denver Broncos and is the quarterback for them. And what you're going to hear is how they have been living their life in a way of continuing to share to other people, listen, we're going to trust God in the midst of our story. We're going to trust God in the midst of the unknown. We're going to trust God in the midst of unanswered prayer. We're going to allow our life to point to God. And here's a glimpse into their story.
0: Of our, our first memories of each other—we uh, played flashlight tag throughout the church, you know, at night. I remember seeing her run back to base, and not not remembering her name exactly, but her older brother Brandon, who I was better friends with at the time. Said, uh, I said, "I got you, Brandon's little sister." And uh,
4: I turned around and I said, "That's not my name," and I ran to base. I don't
0: know if that was the start of our <laughs> romance, but uh, it was definitely one of our first memories of each other. Coming into college, I was consumed by football. Um, You know, I'm a competitive person. You know, when it didn't come easy, uh, you know, I struggled with it. You know, throwing one bad pass at practice or having a mistake, you know, here or there, uh, you know, really consumed me. And it was a lesson I I continually learned from freshman year all the way up to senior year when I hurt my knee that I was not just a, a football player that happened to be a Christian. I was a Christian who happened to play
4: football. Jesus really commanded us, it was his very last breaths before he left earth. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
0: One of the best parts of that verse, one that really struck home for us is that word go. It's not just not just go, but it's as you are going. So uh, for me as a football player, uh, for her as a, as a wife, um, whether you're a businessman, teacher, you know, construction work, whatever you're doing, um, you know, as you are going, as you are doing those things, make disciples. That's not slapping them in the face with the Bible, but living our life as close as we can to chasing after Jesus. You know, coming out of college, I was un- undrafted, signed Houston Texans, signed with the. St. Louis Rams signed back to the Houston Texans at the end of that year, and then traded back to the St. Louis Rams. Moved with the St. Louis Rams to LA, and then signed with Minnesota Vikings, and then this past season signed with Denver Broncos.
4: Moved four times in one year, right?
0: Six times in seven.
4: <laughs> Any place we've been, I've, I never want to leave that place without giving the best I've got, without getting to know as many women as I possibly can. I don't want to waste that year. I want to help point others to Jesus, no matter what I'm doing. And that is absolutely our goal as we are going.
0: You know, one of those big things that we've um, you know, prayed about and talked a lot about is is having kids, having children. You know, a few years ago, decided that we were, you know, not going to not try anymore. You know, and then a few years passed by and, you know, nothing was, nothing was really going, so we started to get a little more serious about it. And uh, over the course of a, a few, you know, bumps in the road, some, some different uh, procedures, some different things that we've had to go through, um, you know, we're still praying that God's, you know, plan has, has children for us.
4: Having kids is not going to give me this ultimate happiness, like, yes, it's going to be so joyful and amazing. And I cannot wait for hopefully the Lord to provide that in our lives, but I still feel like He's just teaching us so much to find the ultimate joy in Him and in Him alone and just peace in Him. And I feel like the Lord has us in this time to be able to just have extra time to pour into other people. women do feel shame and do struggle with it so much and go through a lot more than what we've been through and I just don't want to go through this time like we were saying earlier to be a waste like I want to be able to still help point somebody to Christ through the midst of it like I don't want to wait for them on the outside of it I want in the midst of it as we're going to help another woman going through this and I understand it stinks but like God has purpose no matter where we're at in our life
0: There's not a doubt in our mind that God's plan is so much better than anything that we ever imagined. I re-signed with New Orleans this season, a city I played in before. And when I heard that DeMario Davis would be playing for the Saints too, I was excited because I know what he brings on and off the field. DeMario is a true leader. His personality draws people to himself, and then he redirects that toward God. But it wasn't always that way. This is Demario's story.
1: The first year I played football, I played running back. I went out and scored like, you know, 50 touchdowns in a year. Our team went undefeated all the way to the championship game. And I just kind of knew then that football was a possible avenue for success for me. Going into my ninth grade year, I'm introduced um, to marijuana. I'm introduced to alcohol. I'm introduced to uh, sex. This is a 14-year-old kid uh, dealing with this stuff, and I didn't have a father figure around to teach me you know, what all that meant. All I had was to look to were the guys in the streets, which was drug dealers, guys who had criminal records, and I was looking up to those guys. So I just figured I was supposed to do what they did. I wanted to show them that I wasn't scared, that I wasn't uh, afraid to be a bad boy or whatever. I just wanted to impress them. I tried to jack. Um, another kid for his wallet. I tried to steal his wallet in the hallway and, and end up getting in trouble and getting um, expelled from school. I remember my mom calling me on the phone and just hearing her brokenness when she answered the phone, you know, just like, Demario, what have you done? And when she said that, it was almost to the point of, you have messed up your life. And I remember uh, being out running the streets with some of my friends and we were breaking in cars. I punched the window and I cut my arm up. And I have this uh, serious gash my arm, and I felt like this was the first time I heard an audible voice from God. And He said, That's strike number two. The first strike was you getting kicked out of school, the second strike is you almost killed yourself tonight. If it would have been a few inches down, I could have gassed my wrist and died that night. That scared me to the point of from the rest of my junior and my senior year, I cleaned up my act. When I get to college. But the fruit of my life still isn't changed. I get back and all of a sudden I'm at this college and now I'm a small fish in a big pond. So I feel like I gotta prove myself all over again. So I go back to drinking, I go back to smoking, I go back to partying, and I land myself in jail. We stealing groceries out of Walmart. And I just remember looking around and like, whatever I'm trying to do with my life, it isn't working. I had a chance to make it out and now my coach can take my scholarship and I'll be sent back home. And I, I messed up my opportunity before I even played a snap on the field. Fortunately, the coach did not kick me off the team. He gave me a, another chance, because a little while later, our team chaplain, who I'd been going to Bible studies with, he started to spend time with me in the Word. He was talking about you know, these radical ideas that I had never even thought about. And then he started to show me in the Bible that matched exactly what he was saying. And I never had looked at the Bible in that life. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit and he was talking about, this is talking about your heart. My whole theory with God was, at the end of the day, God, you know I got a good heart. Well, this was showing me that I had a bad heart because nothing but bad fruit was coming from my life. But then he told me something that was reassuring and encouraging. He said, God will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that night I went home and I was scared and I just prayed, it was the most sincere prayer I had ever prayed, I said, God, I need a new heart. That's all I said. The next day I was hoping that everything would change. I woke up and by the end of the day I was doing a lot of the same stuff I had been doing. And I was like, man, you said that God would give me a new heart if I asked. He said, if you ask for a new heart, God will honor it, and God will give it to you. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but He's going to give it to you. The message started to resonate and I started to understand why Jesus had to die on the cross. He had to pay for those sins and until we get a new heart, we can't fix what's coming out of us and that God wants to come inside of us and clean us so that he can draw us back to himself and it was like he was taking the scales off my eyes at that moment he removed the taste of alcohol from my mouth he didn't remove marijuana and sex right then but I said God you're the Lord of my life and I'm gonna choose to serve you when you wanna move these things you will And he did a little bit later um, he removed marijuana and then uh, I was in an imperial relationship for five years God broke it, he was like, it's time to get out of this. And I got out of that relationship for two years, I walked in purity, I dated my wife, and then we were married a year and a half later. And that was the first time I'd ever did a relationship the right way. And to say that I've done that now, and then look at the the benefits of uh, a blessed relationship and our marriage of after four years and our, our beautiful children, just to see that, the fruit that's come from it, you just understand God is a God of order. And when we do things in his order, He can bless them more. I let go, and I said, God, I'm trusting you. I don't know where you're going to take me. And he's brought me closer and closer to him. DeMario's story is a great example of how God
0: pursues us. It's a relentless pursuit of kindness, truth, and love. And DeMario needed God, even though he didn't realize it. And it may be the same for you today. All out, all in. It's not just a battle cry for football players. It's God's battle cry toward us too. The cross of Jesus Christ proves it. And the resurrection of Jesus gives it more power than anything else in our lives.
3: You know, I wonder how many of us would read that scripture verse right there and would see that God does have a plan and purpose for our lives. And that it's in that plan and in that purpose that he continues to unfold a beautiful thing for us. And that beautiful thing is this, is he desires a relationship with you. There are so many things in this world that are always trying to vie for our attention and saying, if, if, you'll, if you'll only have more of this, then this will fill that hole. If you'll, if you'll only have more fame, then that will will fill that desire. If you only have more money, that will fill your desire. If you only have more things, more stuff, that'll fill that. If, if you only have that perfect relationship, then, then that will fill that hole in your life. But the reality of it is, is you and I have a, spot in our lives that literally the creator of heaven and earth put inside of you, and the only thing that can fill that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Nothing else can fill that void in your life and in my life, and today I believe that God desires to fill a void in, in many of our lives. And so what I'm going to ask is this, is, is that across this room there are many who have actually taken a step in their relationship with Christ. They've said, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And in that moment, Jesus did forgive them. And you may wonder, like, how in the world does this whole thing work? Well, see, Jesus left heaven and came to earth. He lived a sinless life. And towards the end of his life, what he did was he bore the sins of mankind, yours and my sin, upon the cross when he gave of his life so that you and I could have freedom from sin. Because sin was something that marred us. Sin was something that tries to control our lives. Sin is something that always leaves us empty and always leaves us in a place where we begin to wonder. And that's the story that you heard there at the end was He had tried all these other things and yet was trying to do things on his own and found himself in a place of brokenness where he finally surrendered to the Lord. And it was in that moment of surrendering to the Lord that the steps in his life began to happen. And he began taking steps and he began growing in his relationship and it came to a place where he finally surrendered and said, Jesus, I surrender my life. And across this room are individuals who have gotten to that place of surrender where they finally said, you know what, I've tried it all on my own, but I'm at a place right now where I just, I need to surrender. And so on the day that we celebrate, the day where everyone's watching, people around the world will be watching the big game tonight. But the biggest thing that could happen in anyone's life is not whether a certain team wins or loses in the Super Bowl. The biggest thing that could ever happen is if you were to surrender your life to Christ. And you were to say, Jesus, will you be Lord of my life? And so we've created a stage, an environment today for you to encounter Jesus. And you've heard from various stories because we believe that today, if you'll just take one step closer today, if you'll surrender to Christ and you'll say, God, I'm going to give you an opportunity to actually change my life. We believe this, that God will change your life. That's what it's all about. Is about seeing people take one step closer in their relationship with him. And so I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes across this room. Father, you are faithful to meet with us in each and every moment. And Father, I pray that today in these moments, God, that you would be here present. God, it's not about anything else. It's about you. It's interesting, God, how many times things don't quite go according to plan. Life is filled with so many unknowns and uncertainties. But there's one thing that's always the same in the midst of all those moments. It's you. It's the fact that you are crazy, madly in love with us. So, Father, I ask that today you would have your way in this place that today, God, people would take one step closer. That today, God, people would experience the song that we were singing earlier, that you are crazy, madly in love with us, that they would experience that firsthand. God, the greatest platform that could ever be shared with each and every one of us is is when we get invited into the family of God, when we get invited to be a part of your family family. So Father, I pray that right now in these next few moments, God, that you would take away every excuse, every distraction, anything that would keep us separate from you. Because you are crazy, madly in love with us. So God, let that truth resonate and resonate in our hearts today. Allow that truth to be something that that goes deeper than just words that we hear, but actually may it be something we apply to our lives today, that you are crazy, madly in love with us, and that would happen through a simple act of surrender, a simple act of saying, Jesus, I surrender my life. Forgive me of my sin. Change me. And God, it would be from that moment forward, God, that we would live a different life not in our own strength, but in your strength, not in what we've done, but in what you've done. It would be in that moment of surrender, God, that you would meet with us right here, right now. I've asked you to bow your heads and close your eyes because I simply wanna ask a real simple question today, and that's this, is do you know Jesus? I'm not talking about just knowing about him, Do you know him personally? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you asked him to be Lord of your life? Maybe for some of us this morning, we remember a time of surrender, but since then we've kind of done our own thing. We've kind of pushed God out of the picture and we've said, I can do this on my own. I don't need you. And God today would be saying, no, no, no. What I did back then is the same thing I want to do again for you. But it comes through an act of surrender. And if you're here today and you haven't surrendered to Christ, you haven't said, Jesus be Lord of my life, forgive me my sins. I want to pray a real simple prayer with you today. I'm not going to ask you to come up front or anything like that, but I am going to ask you to do one thing. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and to say, that's me, Pastor Brian. I I need to take that step today and in an act of taking a step, you're gonna raise your hand and just say, That's me. I need to surrender to God. I need to give him my life. And if that's you, would you just real quickly just raise your hand? And you just say, That's me, Pastor Brian. I see that hand right there. God would just be reaching out to you, You'd just be saying, Hey, listen, I'm I'm right here. I see that hand back there. Just a simple act of surrender, a simple act of saying, Jesus, this is this is me. This is me in you time right now. Us to pray with those who have raised their hand this morning and I want us to all join together and if you would just repeat this real simple prayer with me and you'd say Jesus right now I admit I can't do this on my own I need your help right now I'm asking that you would forgive me of my sin that you would change my life. I need your help. And so right now, I receive your love into my life. Help me to move forward in my journey
1: with you.